in three, two, one. What's going on, folks? Welcome to 34 Questions. Tonight, I have a very special guest. Mr. Martin Pisani is in the building. How you doing, Mr. Martin? I'm great. I'm great, 34. Feeling good. Glad to be here. Thank you for uh, coming on. Thank you for your time and uh, opening openness uh, to these to being asked these questions. Um, so, first first off, just want to ask you, how have you been? You've been doing well. Been going through it. How have you been? I'm I'm great. You know, I I uh, I've stayed very active during this last year and a half of COVID. I uh, I've written a book during that time. I and the book is about getting outside, and I've been living that. So I get outside almost every day. I hike, I run, work out, and uh, I'm very busy at work. So I have actually been very occupied, and I, I'm pretty good. Although, you know, you've got a feel for the the situation that we've been, all been through. So you know, there's that. But um, all things considered, I'm great. For sure. Have you uh, always been an outdoorsy kind of person, or is that just something new you you got into? My whole life. My dad got me into it at a very young age. And um, I, I wrote this book to uh, to commemorate 50 years of hiking and climbing around the world. So um, yeah, I've been doing it for a really long time, and that's kind of my stick at this point. Um, fit hiking outdoors guy, yeah, <laughs> for sure. A, 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 and a senior citizen too. So um, hey. yeah, that's that's my thing. That's what's up. That's what's up. Um, is there any place that you haven't traveled to or been to that, you know, that is on your list, you know? Oh, you know, it's a big world, 34. There's a lot of places to go. But, you know, I've been to all seven continents. I've climbed major mountains on all seven. I've uh, hiked all around the world. I, I travel quite a bit for both my job and my hobbies, which is hiking and climbing. And uh, yeah, so, um, uh, but I'm not even close to seeing every place I want to see. So big world, lots to do still. No doubt, no doubt. It's, it seems like there's not enough time sometimes, you know? I know for me, I haven't, I haven't done anything compared to what you've done, but uh, yeah, I feel like my time is, <laughs> I don't want to sound morbid about it, but it feels like time's running out sometimes. <laughs> yeah, I know, you know, I know the feeling, it always does, but that that's kind of something that can push you along. If you feel like you've just got to get stuff done, you you make the time and, and you just take action instead of sitting around you know, watching television or doing nothing, sitting on the couch, you got to go out there and be proactive. And, you know, I wasn't, I mean, I wasn't always a world traveler. I didn't get on an airplane until I was uh, 20 for the first time. But since then I've made up for it. And between 20 and now I just turned 65 last week. I've got about, I don't know, 6 million air miles all over the world. And uh, I, I've made getting out there and traveling a uh, high priority. Um, I'm just hungry for information about the world and people and places and uh, getting to interesting places. So that's, I've made it a priority. That's what's up. That's what's up. And that, that's definitely something I would, I would love to, to turn my life into someday, if not, you know, now, <laughs> but uh, Start now. yeah, yeah. Uh, before we go any further, uh, I do have a little icebreaker for you, which is a one word spelling bee. And um, feel free to participate. Feel free to pass. Uh, it's up to you. But would you like to try it? Well, yeah. I, you know, I'm a decent speller. I'm not a spelling bee champion. But let's give it a shot. Sure, why not? All right. All right. Um, I got a list of the top 100 misspelled words in the English language. Oh, well, they're hard words. Come on, man. <laughs> all right. Go ahead. Uh, they're not super hard. I don't, I don't think. But um, all right. 
the word is going to be inoculate. I-N-N-O-C-U-L-A-T-E. You have one more chance. And you, yeah, one more chance and you added an extra letter. So go ahead and try again. Oh, is it I-N-O-C-U-L-A-T-E? One N? Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Yeah, yeah, I guess it is. Yeah. See, this is how it is. I'm sure I was able to spell that word at one point. Spell check has made us all stupid. You know? Oh, I, I, I wholeheartedly agree. Um, you know, I, I used to be one of those spelling bee champs, and I'm, 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 my skills have gone to waste. <laughs> yeah, okay. Uh, yeah. Um, all right. Well, let's jump into a few more warm-up questions. Uh, this next one is, what would you like the audience to know about you? Anything in specific? You kind of opened up already, but if there's anything Yeah, specific- you know, I'm, I'm, what I'm trying... Listen, I, I, I told you, I just turned 65. What I'm trying to do with the rest of my life is... I have some big plans for some new businesses. I've got another book in me and I got a lot of places to go and a lot of places to see. So my, my whole thing is um, never retire. I think it makes you go downhill both physically and cognitively. So um, I intend to work until I drop. And uh, that's, that's, I mean that. Um, I've got a startup about to launch right now. I've got another startup business I'm working on. Again, working on a book. I just don't ever want to sit still and start to slide down that curve of inactivity and aging. So I'm going to stay as active and vital as I can for as long as I can. I got you. I got you. Are you, uh, you don't have to be any, uh, you don't have to reveal any of your secrets, but are you jumping into new things or are you just building upon stuff that you've already kind of well i'm in, i'm in the fitness business i i was in the big box fitness business for a while and now i'm launching a a, a new fitness venture in cincinnati that specializes in fitness for people above age 50 because i believe they're an ignored part of the population as far as fitness goes and um if you get fit in your 50s and 60s it gives you a longer happier healthier life and you don't get sick as much so it just is something we're trying to do with a great group of people and it's kind of becoming my uh, my mission and I, i know you're really into talking about legacy so um i i've had a long business career but i don't feel it's legacy worthy really and this is what i want my legacy to be is to to have a big impact on on at a population level on the aging population i got you i i definitely got to learn more about what you're doing my my folks um you know they're getting over some health issues and uh, i'm trying to to help boost them into a more active lifestyle which you know it can be a struggle especially if they've been used to a certain lifestyle for a long time um, but yeah, anything that can get be exciting for them to, to jump into, I think, you know, would be helpful for me to, to know about. So Well, it's a, it's a pretty common problem, 34. You know, my parents uh, got old fast. They retired at age 63, younger than I am now. And uh, they got old very fast. They moved to Florida. They stopped moving. They stopped thinking. Uh, their, their highlight of the day was walking the dog. They got old. They got sick. And and I'm I'm trying to be the opposite of that. I wish I had known then what I know now. I would have got them up and moving. But yeah, we all suffer from that. It's a generational thing. Our parents, a lot of them, um, have aged too fast and gotten sick too soon. So I'm trying to I'm trying to help people get out of that uh, predictable rut and and let them know they can actually take charge of the way they age. You said that was a like a generational issue. Uh, what do you think? It, 
made our made that our parents feel or get older faster and you know not look out for their wealth as much well there's two things first of all um retirement age is set at 65 i think that's too young we live to be 80 now i think uh retirement age was set 80 plus retirement age was was uh, was set in place when life expectancy was 67 and so you know uh, that's i think too young now so i think people automatically assume at 65 you've got to slow down i, I don't think that's right uh, um, you know especially when we can live into into our 90s regularly now um but the other thing is uh, companies don't necessarily want to hire elders, uh, really experienced people at this point in time. Plus, there's also this, I think there's this inherent belief that you are going to age, you're going to start to age rapidly. And, and, and science is showing now that through fitness and exercise and activity and cognitive stimulation, you can delay the aging curve and, and live, you know, you can feel in, in body and brain much younger than your years. And I think that's a great way to be. So I, I think we've fallen into a rut. And um, I, I think that uh, it's time that we got comfortable living with an older population. I got you. Putting it to use. For sure. For sure. Um, I'll, I would have more questions about that, but I'll, I'll save that for later. Um, the second warm-up question is, if someone were to pay a tribute uh, how would you like to be honored? Like a tribute to you? If I was going to say I wanted to honor Martin Pisani today in some kind of act, what could I do in your honor? Ooh, um, that, that's a tough one. You know, I, I my career has been in marketing and brand marketing, and I always uh, that's always the brands have always come in the forefront. I've always been in the background. I'm I don't know what kind of a tribute would mean the most to me. Kind of a kind of the maybe something along the lines of my my mission right now is that I'm trying to make a difference. Um, in the way people age and I'm trying to live that life myself and be an example of that and then teach and show other people through my company and my book that there's another way to age and um, that's what I hope to be remembered for and that's the kind of tribute I think that would have the most meaning to me. I gotcha. Um, it, was there anybody that served as inspiration for you um, with this mindset or is this just something you developed on your own and, you know, kind of fostered for yourself, you know? You know, it's a combination of forces. I, I think I, number one, felt, started to feel this way as I, in my 50s when I saw my parents aging poorly and I didn't want to repeat that. I've also had the chance to work with some entrepreneurs and executives in their 70s and 80s who were still active and vital and they... And I, I can't single one out because there's been a bunch of them that, um, that that inspired me that, you know, you don't have to retire at 67 and do nothing or, or throttle back. You can still go 100 miles an hour as, if you're capable uh, into your 80s. And so that plus all the new science about what's happening with aging and, and brain health and how you can change the trajectory of the way you're aging is has given me a great deal of hope for the future sure for sure um and then the last question in the warm-up is on a scale from one to ten how well do you know yourself you know um i work on that actually i i have to say 7.5 as you get older i think you know yourself better if you asked me this 20 years ago i probably would have said nine but it really was probably a three 
but you know, I, I, I think that come with age, you start to know yourself better and what you can and can't do. And you start to be less concerned with the criticisms and maybe more receptive to feedback as you as you put on the the years you know there's a certain arrogance and and maybe overconfidence when you're younger that goes away eventually and um and you also just learn more about yourself from everything you do your successes your failures your feedback your friends all that mileage uh, gives you a, a bit more self-awareness than when you're young so even even though i have to say 7.5 i'm still a work in progress i like to think so we'll see no worries, no worries. Uh, you know, 7.5 has probably been the most common answer I've had on the show. Is it really? Yeah, yeah. it's interesting. And, you know, not everyone's in, in has the same life experience and same mileage. Uh, so it's always, for me, you know, wondering why people kind of settle on 7.5 is uh, is interesting. And, you know, we well, have... Well, no, it makes perfect sense, actually. And the reason I, I picked it is it's not too well to sound like you're... You have no clue, and it's not too high that you sound arrogant. That's right. It's a perfect answer, I think. I'm not really surprised me what you said, you know? Yeah, yeah. I mean, other than that, most people say five. I, and I'm in the five group. Uh, we put ourselves a little bit lower because we feel like it's a better average, you know? It's like right in the middle. <laughs> right. But, uh, right. Yeah. I kind of feel like if I'm not a 7.5 at age 65, boy, I, I, I'm in trouble, you know? <laughs> Or you could just be so open up to yourself that, you know, there's a lot more that you just don't know about yourself. Um, either way, it's, it's all how you see it, right? Uh, and, oh, uh, one follow-up question to that is, what is the, your favorite thing about your personality? Ooh, yeah, well, that's hard. That's hard. I, I, I think it's probably safe to say I'm, I'm more curious than most people. I, I'm constantly learning. Again, I, I've made a whole lifetime out of getting out there and getting perspective and traveling and, and going places and, and learning things. So, um, yeah, I think my curiosity is probably something that, that I would mention. In that. Very sure. curious. Gotcha. All right. Well, we've made it to the main portion of the interview where you begin to choose numbers between 1 and 34, and we'll get the conversation rolling that way. There are three levels. I don't know if you've seen the latest document, but I did do an easy, medium, hard, and we can we can go through the le levels as we go on through the conversation. So feel free to give me the level and the number you'd like to choose. All right. Well, let's start at one. No, let's start at two and number seven. Number two, number seven. If your life stages were broken into books, what would they be called? Ooh. Oh, that's tough. You could also do age range for like each book, you know? <laughs> yeah, well, I think there would have to be growing up, which would be zero to 21. Um, and from 21 to 60, it would be family, career, work. And from 65 up, it would be using all that to achieve something that would be a legacy. So learning, living, legacy. Learning, living, legacy. Um, and I'm gonna ask you to elaborate a little bit more. Uh, so in that first book, Growing Up, was there any point that would you would consider like a climax to the story where, you know, afterwards you put you on a different mindset and like ready to move on to that next stage? Yeah. 
it was pretty smooth. I, you know, I, I it was, uh, you know, I was born in Brooklyn and we moved ultimately to uh, Connecticut. So um, I've got no trauma and nothing to really fall back on. That was kind of like a building block. Um, I, I just have to say it was a, a pretty solid upbringing. My parents were very strict. They made us all, you know, four kids. I'm the oldest. They made us, uh, they made us go to school and learn. And uh, you know, uh, my dad was a fireman, so he was um, really, really disciplined and uh, hard driving. And, uh, um, and you know, so we all did well in school. And I think it was just a matter of uh, accumulating knowledge and information and learning. And and uh, probably, I guess, if there's a real building block, it's probably going to college. It was the three? I was actually the first person in my entire family to go to college so there was a lot of pressure to you know it came from a working class family and there's a lot of pressure on me to use that to do something uh, different and uh, you know i got a corporate job and um, went, went on from there so um i'd say college was the turning point in that first book also the end point of it yeah I got you. I got you. How would you say you uh, fully utilized your college experience? I know for myself, I can't. I can't really say well, that, but yeah. Yeah, you know, yes. I, I was a uh, listen. I got. I was a hardworking student, but I didn't take it all that seriously. I never tried to get all A's. I didn't care about that. I was real comfortable with B's and learning outside of the classroom. You know, partying and traveling and I learned how to rock climb and you know all that kind of stuff uh, I like the extracurriculars quite a bit so um, yeah um, it wasn't just academics for me it was uh, the whole nine yards of fun and people and going places and, and being without your parents and and then having very few responsibilities and you know doing the stupid stuff that you do when you're in college and uh, and learning from learning from those stupid things you do i mean really stupid sometimes you know and so um yeah i mean no it was uh, i can't say i was uh, i certainly wasn't uh the best academically in college but I, I wasn't trying to be i was trying to get a bigger learning experience through uh the extracurriculars and you know it's kind of funny when i when my son went to college I very quickly detected he was doing the same thing and I was pretty pissed <laughs> off him. He, he didn't really care about grades. He was having fun. And as it turned out, he wound up just fine. But um, yeah, I, I, I know it infuriated my parents because they wanted me to have straight A's. That's the way they were. But uh, yeah, no, I just just wanted to get you know, the whole thing, the whole experience down. So, yeah. For sure. And um, you mentioned you were the oldest of, of four in your family. I grew up an only child, so I'm kind of curious if being the firstborn, there was any kind of uh, expectations or pressures you put on yourself, kind of, or, you know, were you more of like, nah, that's, <laughs> it doesn't have to be that way, you know? <laughs> yeah, no, I didn't, I didn't, pr I didn't put a lot of pressure on myself. As I said, my parents were kind of expecting me to be uh, straight A's and all that all the time, and they, you know, because they were paying a lot of money for college, and they couldn't understand, like, I can remember, uh, I, uh, I actually admitted to my dad I'd skipped a couple of classes to do something else. He got really pissed. I mean, you know, like he, I'm paying for you to skip, you know, that whole thing. It was really, uh, it was quite amazing. But um, no, as the oldest, I didn't feel like I was breaking ground because I knew the, 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 the my siblings behind me were going to do the same. They were pretty smart, and uh, you know, it's not like we went to an expensive school. We went to University of Connecticut, all of us, uh, state school, and. Uh, but we did well there. We got a pretty good education, and uh, and uh, that's all my parents could afford. So that's what we that's what we all did. 
Um, but no, they all did well. And uh, yeah, I, I, but they actually pushed me. My, my number, the number two brother was academically a lot better. And my mm. dad was always saying, look at your brother. He's got straight A's. How come you can't, you know, that kind of thing. So yeah, yeah. No, that kind of thing. So, anyway. What, uh, well, to, to dive a little bit deeper, did those comparisons ever get to you? Like as far as, you know, your parents telling you, why can't be be like your brother kind of statements? Because that does happen now. Well, maybe, in a, maybe in a little way, but it really, it, it didn't really, it was just kind of the way it was. You know, there was, there was that, uh, you know, when you grow up in a family of four and you're always that family of four, there's always that pecking order. So um, there's always some reason why you're squabbling and, and why mom and dad are, or on your on your case, no, it was. It, it, I didn't feel that that was uh, unusual, or it, it, it. No, it was just it's just the way it was. You know, that's the way it was in our family. No, for sure. And yeah, I've I've worked with high schoolers and uh, some youth in the past, and that was something new. They were kind of like you know emphasizing in our workshops as as mentors was the whole comparison and how to avoid it and what it what it means. And it's something that, like you said, is just how it was. Um, and it's one of those things that have been changing as, uh, you know, time, time has gone on, <laughs> but yeah. yeah. Um, all right, go ahead and, uh, throw me another number. Let's do nine. Nine, same levels, level two? Level two. Level two. Uh, number nine, what gets you up in the morning? Uh -huh. Lots to do, man. Lots to do. I mean, I've got, you know, I've got another book to write. I've got a company to launch and we're busy, busy, busy with that. Um, and then if the weather's nice, I try to figure out how I'm going to get an outdoor hike or run into the equation. And um, no, I got lots, lots. I, I look forward to getting up and, and, and being busy. And also I look forward to getting up and just enjoying the day. Um, you know, no one's going into the office anymore. So, you know, you do have some flexibility and uh, I, I'm taking advantage of it. So I, I'm, uh, and I, you know, and I love uh, the winter i like it when it rains so i don't i don't stay inside when that bad weather hits i like to get out and, and be out so i got plenty to do lots lots to uh to get to so uh, i got no trouble getting up for sure um this on the flip side is there anything that keeps you up at night or well you know launching a company is tough you know you got responsibilities we got people we got investors and and now you know we've got a weird economy and COVID potentially you know it's put us a year behind schedule so you know the, the future is less certain than it was a while ago and so you know the responsibilities that come with spending investor money spending your own money and time and money and you know at age 65 you don't want to make mistakes with your career you want things to be successful so it you know i'm i don't want to say i'm a worrier but i'm a thinker about the good and the bad and yeah if you if you let it get carried away you can have sleepless nights fortunately i don't have that many sleepless nights i i'm i i, I deal with stress pretty well and um at, at my age and i've had some near-death experiences um stuff that happens with business and money tends not to cause stress with me um, it's life and death as it causes, causes stress with me. So, um, so I kind of keep it in perspective, but, um, yeah, there, I, I think I have a good balance between, um, the, the, the optimism and 
let's call it the paranoia of business where you're always mm-hmm. looking behind you to see if something bad is going to happen or something's going to catch up with you. I think I balanced that pretty well. Um, but time will tell. And is, uh, is this new venture your first venture or have you opened up other businesses before? No, you know, I'm, I'm at this stage, I, I left the corporate world when I was age 51. I'm now 65. I've been an entrepreneur for a long time. This is my 10th startup that I've been involved with. Um, and I, I've had two hits, about six shut them down, and two are active and thriving. So um, I think that's a pretty good ratio. We've done pretty well. And we have, we've had one exit, which was good. So um, no, I like it. I, I do like it. And I, I think that part of the reason I like entrepreneurship is because I can deal with stress and uncertainty better than some can. Some people are comfortable in a corporate world, and I was for a long time, but I got to the point where I wanted to be able to prove to myself that success or failure was based on me and my team and a smaller team and not have to worry about the bureaucracy and the momentum of a big company. I like, and, and that's why I like startups. So um, it's kind of like my, my, you know, my hobby of hiking and climbing, it's risky. And um, I, I like the uncertainty of it, the exploration, the covering new ground. And so both in my personal life and my business life, I, I feel that that's, that's a, a kind of a common link. And it's part of me at this point. So, um, yeah, I do, I do kind of like that. For sure, for sure. Um, so being a part of a corporation versus doing your own thing, um, how, how, what differences have you could you have you seen and kind of lived through um i ask because this is uh probably my third project i could never call them businesses that i tried to done before because i'm not a business-minded person so i had to rephrase that in my mind just call them projects so this is my third project and yeah it's i find it super hard and i'm not the only one i, I feel like in my p- position to to continually work for a corporation when I feel like there's these things that I want to do or want to accomplish, but I feel like I'm wasting time at a corporate job. So what was your experience like? Well, you know, at, at the beginning, it was what I trained for. It's what I went to school for. I mean, I got, you know, at the time, a classic MBA. So I'm, I was a business guy looking forward to working in the big corporation and doing that climb the corporate ladder thing. And I did it again for a long time from age 22 to age 51. I was a corporate guy, but you know, at some point it, it's, it's not boring, but you start to feel like your efforts are diluted by a big bureaucracy and other people who maybe aren't at the same level as you. And you feel like a cog in a wheel. Um, you know, I got promoted pretty regularly. And when I left the corporate world, I was a CEO, so I can't be complaining about a cog in a wheel, but it got to be a grind of, of bureaucracy and rules and uh, doing what was basically predictable stuff. Um, and again, I, all my entire business career, I was sort of an explorer, a hiker and a climber. And it sort of dawned on me that I should be that way in my career as well. So I took the leap and I decided to do startups and, and work for entrepreneurial ventures. And I'm glad I did. I'm a, I'm a much happier camper. I mean, you know, I didn't get this white hair, uh, but through age, I'm the only one in my family. My brother, two years younger, doesn't have uh, doesn't have white hair. And I got that by being a corporate guy, you know, the grind of corporations. 
um, it, it wears on you. And it did for me. Not, you know, I got no real complaints. It's just I was ready to leave that world and become an entrepreneur. And I, and I think I did the right thing. I imagine you ha- you had some experience in uh, starting a business when, when you made that switch at 51. Uh, was there anything that you weren't prepared for or something that kind of yeah, caught you? Yeah, uh, seriously, there's a lot. I mean, I, I have to tell you, I, I didn't have any startup experience. I was called an intrapreneur when I was corporate, which means a uh, corporate entrepreneur, but it's nothing like being a real entrepreneur. Um, you know, you, you have to do it all. You have to, in start, startups are much, much harder than corporate jobs. You, you have to do everything from top to bottom. You have to put together a team. You have to have your, a, a much broader skill set. And you have, and, and at the end of the day, there's no momentum. There's no customers. There's no investors unless you get them. So it all, it, it's all on your back and it's harder. And I, I made this move in uh, 2008 and uh, it was a bad economy. I didn't expect it to be so bad. The venture I was going into was in the music industry. The music industry imploded in 2008, um, at least the part I was in, you know, Apple changed the dynamics uh, of the music industry and it went from analog to digital and I didn't think it would happen that fast. So. Um, that venture didn't go very far. It was a, it was a tough year, um, but learned a heck of a lot. And so, you know, there's a, there's an adage somewhere, uh, that, you know, you really don't learn the game until you have skin, real, your real skin in the game. And that's true. You know, you can be a great corporate person, but when it's your money and your time and your future, that's when you really learn how to play the game. And, uh, and so even through failures and, and mediocre successes, you get better at it. Oh yeah, no doubt, no doubt. Uh, all right, well, I'm gonna throw you a little curveball here. Um, I don't know if you saw, got to that portion of the document, um, but they are fill in the blanks, um, and your fill in the blank is going to be, I'm too old to blank. I'm too old. Whew, I'm too old. I was gonna say I'm too young. I had that one ready to go. Yeah. <laughs> You know, I'm not sure I'm too old to do anything at this point. I, in my head, you know, I, I, I've got some years on me, but I, I still feel like a kid inside, and I don't mind. I, you know, I don't mind acting like a kid. I, I like, I like that I still have am in touch with that. You know, it's kind of funny. I'm because I'm in the fitness business. I've been searching for ways to work out that are not boring, and I discovered about a month ago. It's really kind of funny. This sounds totally ridiculous. My new aerobic high-intensity exercise is skipping. Skipping. Like I was a seven-year-old kid. And I've got to tell you something. It's freaking great. It gets your heart rate up. It gets your agility. It works the right muscles. Um, and it, you look like an idiot, 65-year-old guy skipping. <laughs> but um, I, I, I've fallen in love with it. And uh, I had last year I specialized in jump rope. So, you know, you can act like a kid. I'm too, I guess, so I guess I'm, I'm too old to, I'm not too old to do anything. I feel like I can do it all. I can still do it. For sure. For sure. Uh, skipping wise, is that, is that like the high knees as you're going forward? Yeah, the yeah, higher yeah. you go for me, the better the workout. I, you know, cause I wear a heart rate monitor when I do it. So the more ridiculous you look with the high knees and the skipping, the more you look like you're on a playground. Um, the much better the workout. And frankly, 
you know, the, the higher you get your knee and the more you jump, that's a plyometric exercise. That kind of exercise is outstanding for for building uh, not only the heart rate, but leg strength and, and flexibility and, and strength, which comes in handy in my hiking and climbing. So, um, yeah, skipping. I highly recommend it. I'm going to open a school for skipping if I, if I, <laughs> if I get a chance. Yeah, I mean, it's funny because it's one of those things that I guess as the older you get, you kind of like skipping. That's that's not something I do anymore. <laughs> well, I, I, I've convinced two other people to do it as well. And so there's a bunch of skipping fools around here now. <laughs> that sounds like a good skipping club name, Skipping Fools. Just put yeah, I'm probably you're right. Yeah, <laughs> put a Facebook page. Um, and what was it? I had a fleeting question. I'm sorry. Hopefully it comes back to me. Right. Uh, but let's move on to another number. Uh, sticking with the level twos let's uh yeah let's do uh 21 21 what are you too stubborn to let go of Ooh. yeah um well you know i i, I don't really believe in astrology but other people do and i'm a taurus and they tell me I'm really stubborn. So there's probably a lot of things that I haven't let go of. Um, I can't think of one offhand, but you know, the, the funny thing is when you're an entrepreneur, persistence is considered to be the number one skill, you know, not getting, giving up in the face of adversity. So I think you could almost argue that one of my ventures, such high risk, I may be too stupid to give that up, but I'm not. And another one, which is an eight-year-old startup that we're only just launching, um, you could argue that I should have given it up, but we're now on version 4.0, and it's successful when we've got investors. So I think my stubbornness, not giving up on that, is going to prove to be a really good thing down the road a bit. So, yeah, stubborn is my personality, I guess, uh, persistent. And uh, so there's a lot of things, you know. I, I hang on to stuff maybe too long. Um, I probably should. Not, not that I'm a hoarder, but I probably should get rid of some stuff. So, so yeah, um, stubbornness, that's what I am. I hang on to stuff. Would, uh, would you say that's something that you, you've been aware of that you've always been? Like, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I, I, it's, it's, it's something weird about it. I have a sentimental attachment to some stuff that I can't get rid of, but I probably should you know, and uh, yeah, I think I've been that way since I was a little kid. Yeah, yeah uh, I am a fellow Taurus as well, so I'm not a stranger to stubbornness or people calling me stubborn. Um, but yes, the, one of the hardest things I had to do recently, I I um, got rid of all my like old high school stuff and like yearbook stuff and uh it was something that was sentimental to me i held on for a long time and i kind of felt like it was a uh it was a it was a good gesture to kind of let go of, of my past and you know the idea of who i was back then um but i also kind of regret it because now i you know i didn't at least scan them and have a copy of them somewhere but yeah uh, i i understand about the letting go uh, <laughs> Let's uh, move on to another number. Go for it. 24. 24. What is a memory you may be misremembering? Well, how would you know? Mm, 
how would you know i guess uh the question's more so is there any memory you're willing to admit that you may be misremembering where you know you could have been wrong about a situation if you're open to sharing that You know, nothing's jumping to mind on that one. Let's skip and I'll come back to that if I can think. It'll simmer around in the back of my head. It's uh, nothing's coming to mind on that. But I got I got to think. I got a thought here. Uh, let's skip to level three. Let's go for it all. Okay. Okay. Let's go into. Let's go back to my favorite number seven on level three. Ooh. Um. When when someone is struggling with self-esteem, what is your go-to advice? You know. Um. Not, I can't say I'm an expert. I'm sort of, this is an area I give a lot of thought and it's a whole two chapters of my book. Um, self-esteem is the result of um, not always being right, but learning and working and, and putting in the effort to get expert at something, um, whether it's physical or, or, or professional skill or um, uh, knowledge. And so my advice to someone, myself included, is when you're feeling down about something, um, work harder at it and, and accomplish something. Like for instance, um, I do my book about hiking um, teaches people who are um, beginners to work harder, and the self-esteem you get from from gradually getting stronger and and, and more fit and and hiking and climbing further and higher, that's real self-esteem. It builds confidence. There's a concept called self-efficacy, and you only get that by effort, by trying, by getting better at something, by studying, by working hard. It doesn't come from a pat on the back or, you know, a teacher giving you a good grade. You have to actually earn it. And that's where self-esteem comes from. Uh, and uh, so my advice always is find something, a goal and take steps to get to that goal and you'll feel good about yourself. And, and if you miss, try again and try again, persistence. Um, and eventually you'll get to the point where you get better at things. And the, that, that process of, of the you have to do the work to have really it, it, to internalize self-esteem. So I, 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 you know, I believe in tough love on this one. A lot of people um, like to um, t take the soft path. But, you know, again, as I said, my parents were strict. My father was a tough love guy and um, he just used to make us work harder. And that's kind of part of me now. And I, I think it makes a lot of sense. Uh, Self-esteem comes from hard work and the accomplishments you get from doing something and overcoming obstacles. And, uh, and that's the real, that's the real strong self-esteem. Um, so work harder. I gotcha. I gotcha. In in the same vein, sort of, uh, would you say your ego is more of your friend or your enemy? Probably enemy. I, and if by that you mean pride, um, maybe enemy. Um, I think that's the thing you get with a little bit of age. That's kind of like know yourself. I think I've I've learned that uh, probably my ego could get in the way and wanting to be right and get credit sometimes gets in the way of getting results. And sometimes you should put that aside and think about things as it doesn't matter who gets the credit as long as you, you get results. Um, so yeah, I think my ego has gotten in the way from time to time. I'm still working on it, you know, I'm still young. I'm, you know, I got a long way to go here and uh, I'll get better. No doubt, no doubt. Um... Go ahead and throw me another number. No, let's do nine again, level three. Nine. What do you feel like you've taken for granted? 
You know, for a long time, I took for granted, and this is when I was a corporate guy, that there was always an easy, predictable uphill climb. Um, you know, that things are going to get better. Next year, you get promoted, you get a raise. Um, everything's going to get better, and you're, it all moves up. And um, I think in the last decade, I've learned that it, there's lots of ups and downs and sideways, and and uh, you can't always predict the future. There's surprises along the way. There's downturns, and uh, you better be prepared to deal with failure, and that the world isn't always going to be rosy and your friend. So um, you learn to uh, accept the uh, the unpredictability of things. So uh, yeah, that's a tough one to learn too. Uh, you know, you get you get kind of get in a rut of everything's going to be good, and sometimes it's not. Yeah, yeah. I mean, <laughs> I've, I've never really felt that that same kind of path or or. Well, you know what? I, I, I was going to say I, that comes from you know my formative years when I started working were the 80s, early 80s, you know, and everything was booming. So it, it went on for 20 years. And then we've all learned that that's not always the way it's going to be. So yeah, I get it. Someone your age, like my son is 39. I mean, he, he, he his first, um, his first semester in college was uh, 9-11. So his generation and your generation, it's like, whoa, things are not always going to be good. I mean, he was at, he was at college for one week when you know, the World Trade Center was attacked. So, uh, you know, and my daughter at age 25, uh, you know, they've they've not had the easy ride that I think I had my first 20 years of my career. So, um, yeah, it's, it, you know, we are just sort of uh, in a uh, unpredictable world and you can't take anything for granted right now. You know, it's interesting. You're probably the first person I've heard, you know, say that, um, that that had gone through the that time in the 80s of uh you know finding a different path and compared to what it is nowadays so it's, it's just it's interesting for, for me to hear it from someone who's actually lived through it um uh, you know yeah well, you know we didn't know it at the time we you know it, it was and and frankly you know i mean i would you know i was a kid during the 60s which were was, was a rough period but you know ever since world war ii everything's been going up 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 and uh, and now we're kind of going sideways. And so um, we took a, a whole generation, two generations, took a lot for granted. And uh, now we're all questioning things right now. Yeah, it definitely feels that way. Uh, I, I can't I can't find the right words to formulate what the, the thought I was having. But um, that's uh, before we go any further. Just want to say we got about 15 minutes left in the podcast. Okay. Uh, want to thank you again for coming on. I hope you're having fun. This is oh been yeah, fun it was great. Yeah, I'm awesome. I'm glad, awesome. Glad that you're having fun. Uh, go ahead and throw me another number. Uh, let's do twelve. Twelve. How how could you be kinder to yourself? I'm pretty tough on myself. On the other hand, I do reward myself from time to time with little vacations um, and. Uh, yeah, little presents and stuff and yeah, I don't know you know lately I, I feel terrible because every now and then I see something I want like one click to Amazon and it arrives the next day so I, I'm giving myself all these little presents I don't feel like I, I, I need to be kinder to myself I probably need to be more disciplined about not clicking on Amazon 
and, and uh, rewarding myself <laughs> with stuff I probably don't need. Oh, I hear so, you. I hear you. I feel like we all go through that Amazon phase of like, yeah. oh, oh man, it's just so easy to for it to come to to my door. Uh, but you know, funny. if I think deep more deeply about that, um, having spent six, more than six months writing a book, when it was done. I was really not liking it, but it's doing pretty well it's, and it's selling on Amazon. And uh, so I, you know, I, I'm feeling better about it now that it's been out in the market for almost a year and people are buying it and commenting on it and I'm doing speaking engagements based on it. So it's well received, but there was a period where I really didn't like it. I was pretty hard on myself. I didn't think I did very well, but you know. What's the book called? The book is called The Secrets of Aging Well get outside and it's again it's about my passion for hiking and my passion for anti-aging and uh, the technique of techniques of fitness that enable you to live a happier healthier longer life and be uh you know healthier and, and, and don't get sick and don't go down that path of aging and it's combined with uh, some personal stories about my adventures climbing and hiking around the world well how long did it take you to write that it took me six months to lay it out and six months to actually write it mm. and i finished it um right about uh, i guess it was about june 1st of 2020 so we launched it into COVID world when no one was getting outside <laughs> but but it's doing it did really well despite that because that's what people needed and it's doing better this year because you know everyone's getting back outside now, so um but yeah it was an interesting process and and you know uh, I'd never, I'd written lots of articles, but never, you know, a 40,000 word book of original, you know, thoughts. And it was kind of tough. It was, it was hard. It was much harder than I thought it was going to be. Was was that your first book? Yeah. First book. Yeah. And now I'm already on the second one and it's easier. Um, I don't know when that's going to be done, but it's, e it's easier. Once you get, once you learn how to do it, um, how to organize your thoughts and, and you get the confidence again, you know, I was talking about self-esteem before you now that i've written one it's easier to write number two because i know i can do it and i know how to work with an editor and i know how to lay it out and i know i know i i've gone down that path so uh, number two is easier i would imagine someone who is a professional writer by the time they're at book 10 they're on automatic pilot that must be kind of fun to get to that point maybe i will um i gotta ask and you you don't have to entirely give me your secret sauce on this but you know, I'm trying to write something myself, and I find myself jumping from topic to topic, just just writing what I feel like I can get out in that moment. Um, and then I'm thinking to myself, I'm going to wait to be able to piece it all together afterwards. Uh, was that something similar to your process, or were you able to? Exactly my process. I did the same <laughs> thing. I thought it was going to be easy. And then my editor and my, I have a, I, I have a person who's my, kind of like my strategic guide, got me into outlining it tighter. And then, uh, fortunately, um, I had two really spectacular editors to help me uh, rearrange some of the flow of the book. And I also had a consultant to help me tighten up the stories. So I had a good team, gave me good advice. But yeah, I did, I did exactly that. I started out thinking, hey, this is easy. It's just going to flow. And um, not, it, it was harder. And I, you know, strangely enough, uh, the book is about 40,000 words. When I finished doing the way I, I started, I had 57,000 words and it was way too long. It was boring. And I spent like three months cutting it down because I had just put in, you know, random thoughts. It wasn't a tight outline um, and uh, and I hadn't bounced it off enough people. But 
you learn how to do it. You get it, you get it, you tighten it up and you get some good feedback. And uh, also my secret was, I don't know about you, but um, I'm of the generation that didn't learn to type. So I am a hub and pack and I think faster than I type. And I discovered that when I used dictation through Google Docs, it, it was a big boost. I didn't even, I'd never used it before, but when I talked the book, it went a lot faster. And then I went and I tightened it up by, you know, with, with my own typing, but talking it was a much easier and that, that helped things go a lot faster. That's interesting. No, I've, I've never tried that. And, um, you know, someone might think that it might be easy for, for me to do that since I already kind of talk with the microphone in my face. But for some reason, I feel like just talking out loud with no one around, it, it, it's a little unnerving for me, something I have to get used to. If it, I, did. it took a while to get used to, but it went, so I, got, I got better at it. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Uh, I'm going to throw you another curveball. Uh, this, this one's going to be a shout out question. So you could mention someone if you want to but if you don't keep it general as possible but uh did you ever have a favorite teacher coach or mentor yeah i've had a couple of mentors i you know it's hard to get through business without having a couple of mentors uh, my first really good mentor was a guy named fred ledrew he was my boss uh in the late 80s to the early 90s and he just kind of got me you know um and he let me be me and he encouraged me and um so yeah, he, he stands out as probably the best boss I ever had and, and best mentor. And then a couple, a couple along the way, but um, yeah, um, Fred, Fred LeDrew, and he's since passed on, but um, he was the best boss mentor I ever had. For sure. And would you say you're a mentor to anyone now or? I think I am. Um, you know, I've worked in a number of different categories and a number of different companies over the years. And uh, one of the thing, uh, things I'm proudest of is I still have a bunch of people who I uh, give advice to. And some of them still work with me in, in these entrepreneurial ventures. And I'm really pleased that, uh, that I've been able to have a cadre of people that have, I've been, have been uh, collaborating with for 30, 40 years in some cases. Wow. Yeah. Um, you're able to build those uh, lifelong connections. Uh, but that's probably one of the most rewarding things about having a long career is, is those connections. Yeah, I um, that's one thing I struggle with for, for myself. I've had a lot of jobs in the past past 10 years and it always gets hard to 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 say, you know, to want to leave and, you know, have those final days of saying goodbye to all these people that I felt like I've shared this experience with. And um, yeah, it's, that's I, I think that's something that I've, I've never really taken into account when I make my decision to, to move on. And yeah, it seems to get harder uh, the more uh, more I do it. So interesting, um, interesting perspective. Uh, all right, go ahead and uh, throw me one more number. 21. 21, level three. What is something that you, you pray for? You know, um, I pray that my kids have it easier going forward. Even the whole next generation. I, I don't like what I see out there right now. You know, from your, your, your age forward. I, again, I, I think my generation had it really easy. My parents had to live through the Depression and World War II. 
I lived through the boom years. And now my kids are living through a very unstable period of uh, global instability and confusion. And I pray for that to settle down and for us to reach a new level where it isn't as uh, controversial and, and confrontational. I, I think uh, we're in a bad place right now, and not just here in America. I think the whole world is kind of unsettled. I wish that would settle down. So, uh, so a whole generation after me, my kids, and you know your generation gets to understand, gets an easier ride. Would you say that's uh, possible in in your kids' lifetime, my lifetime, to see kind of that next level, or it's going to take? You know, thirty-four. I don't. I don't know. I think about this every day, right? I. Uh, it's uh, it's troubling what I see happening, and uh, I, I think it's possible. I you know typically, earth-shattering things have to happen. I mean, they say the best way to to achieve. Uh, the next level is through some kind of a war, but I, I, I pray we don't have to deal with that. Um, you know, like, you know, World War II was the thing that set the world on its current path. Um, uh, do we have to live through that again? God, I hope not. I, I, I hope not. So I hope through some combination of global economy and technology and just people coming to their senses, that we can uh, can have a, a period of, of stability and growth without all this confrontation. I feel you. Um, and one follow-up to that, is there any issue that you feel like the world should prioritize first? I know there's a lot. So it could be a question that could just be, there's too many to, to choose from. Yeah, it, it's such a complicated place. I don't think there's an easy answer to it, 34. I think uh, a lot of things have to go right. I just wish the temperature would settle down. You know, I, I think uh, social media has made everything more confrontational and uh, black and white in terms of, you know, one side or the other. We're all, uh, it's its too confrontational. And so people can't collaborate. People can't see the other person's point of view. It's all, all the time arguing. And uh, so I, listen, I love social media. I, I use it daily. I've got lots of profiles. My companies use it all the time, but the downside of it is it's it's made the world uh, more tense and uh, ugly place. So I hope we sort it out. Me, me too. And uh, you know, sometimes I think like that your kids, my generation, we're we're the ones that are feeling it, and I can kind of see it from the younger generation, even after us, where they're kind of seeing it a lot younger, and you know they're being more aware of it. So maybe the solutions will come to them sooner than uh, they will for us. Yeah, I hope so. I hope they're. I'm kind of embarrassed for the way things are going to have that. You know, the, the, the younger kids just be confronted with this mess. Yeah, it's tough. Yeah. Um, all right. Well, Mr. Pazzini, sorry about that. I uh, just want to thank you again. We've made it to the concluding portion, so I do have about three more questions okay. for you. Uh, this, this question is actually going to be from my previous guest. Uh, and shout out to Elias for this question. His question for you is, what do you believe got you to where you are? Was it more the people or your experiences or any objects? But what do you believe got you to where you are? Well, I do I do believe that you are in charge of your fate. So I think it's been my, again, in the context of a better start to my career, a more stable place. Uh, I had, 
I was always persistent and competitive, and I tried very hard. And so I'd have to say it's my own hard work and and struggles that that, that got me to this place, and my own decisions, good and bad. Um, you, know, you can some people can blame other people for how they got somewhere. I, I think. I'm responsible for where I am. So I've made some good decisions along the way and hard work. I made some mistakes and bad decisions along the way and hard work. Uh, and, and, and maybe uh, some combination of all that has got me to this point. Um, we'll see how it goes from here on out. For sure. You know, I wish more people had that, uh, that uh, I wouldn't call it pride. I wouldn't call it more like awareness of how much what they do is what gets them to where the, you know where they want to be you know um i'm, I'm can't other people for where you are You've, you you have the ability to choose i hear you i hear you uh and then the second question is what would you like to ask the next guest that comes on to 34 questions oh interesting um i would like to ask them what have they done today to make the world a better place gotcha just typing it out done today to make the world a better place okay and then my final question the question that ties everything together if you if this was being watched by your descendants 500 years from now what would you like them to know about you wow 500 years from now man well, I'd, I'd like them to know that uh, I, I think I was the first person in the family. Uh, you know, we came, we're immigrants from Italy to, to be a, a college graduate in America and to have a, a, a good career and to hopefully launch that legacy of um, teaching on a, at a population level, people to be happier, healthier, fitter, more active in their in their 60s, 70s, and 80s to live longer, happier, healthier lives and to create a company and leave that company behind as a legacy um, that uh, that does that on a big scale. For sure, for sure. Um, any any last things to add that you want to add before we head out? Um, yeah, no, this is profound, 34. I really enjoyed this. You got, it's, it, it's kind of like therapy and uh, a little bit of a Rorschach test of kind of bouncing ideas off the rest of the world. Um, no, I hope this, this did it for you. It was interesting for me to think this stuff through with no preparation. And uh, it, it's an opportunity to really think about some of these questions. Um, so good job. I like, I like your format. Um, really, really, really nice. I wish you well with this. It's kind of fun. Thank you, sir. Um, yeah, for the folks out there who don't know, this is the first time we've ever met. Uh, so, you know, it's been a pleasure uh, to hear your stories, uh, for you to dispense your 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 knowledge and advice. Um, so it's been great on my end. I'm glad that, you know, you found it valuable. And hopefully, you know, the, what I th the whole idea behind this, too, is something I have to remind myself that it's not something for the short term. I feel like it'll get it'll be more valuable later in the future after we can kind of look back on these experiences and conversations um, and ultimately this is just for you and your family and hopefully you know they find value in it someday um, so well, 500 years from now yeah <laughs> perhaps perhaps uh, yeah yeah um, and yeah so thank you again for coming on uh, I, I hope uh, I will let you know when the episode releases um, at this point in my schedule it's looking more like sometime first week or second week of June 
just a heads Great. up. Uh, I'll, I'll send you a copy for you to take a uh, take a look and everything, and you can let me know if there's anything that needs to be taken out. Uh, but yeah. yeah, fun. I, I've enjoyed it greatly. Thank you so much for inviting me, Thirty Four. It's been a privilege. Awesome. Same here. Same here. Um, I want to thank the folks out there for also checking out the video, for listening. Uh, feel free to subscribe, like. I. I it grinds my gears having to say those things but um yeah go ahead and do what you gotta do uh till next time reach out reach forward catch you guys later